Hello, I'm Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. And I'm Diane. And we are here today and we are so grateful because this is going to be part two of talking to Betty. Now, can you say Betty's last name? So I, it's Russell, Betty? it's Fussell. Fussel, right. I said it right. Yeah. Because you don't know, I've probably used the last of my brain cells getting that right today. The author of many books, the I would call her a true Renaissance woman. Absolutely. And and really kind of forged the path for women today in many ways. Absolutely. And we chatted in our last episode about the beginning her life and how she got to New York and back and so forth, but we're going to continue now to find out the next chapter in your life, Betty, which was going back to New York after you got divorced and go from there. And one of the reasons that drove me to New York was that I wanted to do a book. I wanted to write about a performer, Mabel Normand. Oh, my God. So my first book was, and I researched it for 10 years, which mean, meant trips to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, that's when I got to interview all these old Hollywood stars, like, believe it or not, Clara Bow. Oh, my God. I mean, How fantastic. It was unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And Johnny Weissmiller in Tarzan. Ah. I mean, it was, and Mary Miles Minter, I mean, it was, ah, and I also got to watch movies. I got to watch the entire archives, which were available both in New York and at UCLA. I uh-huh. mean, you know, this was such a wonderful period. And I was also doing journalism. I was doing bread and butter journalism uh, in, in when we were traveling during this period because there were still a lot of magazines to sell to. And, you know, you could do it as a writer. You could do What do were you writing about? I was writing about my f- travel pieces were about food because this was when this is because uh, you didn't need language you just go and you signal to people and you know I went to China I didn't have any Chinese but you hand you point to stuff and people will talk to you I mean they will find you so this in is, reality Betty was the original blogger too. <laughs> uh, I love blogs and for that reason that everything is new and adventure and, yeah. and the entrepreneurial good. spirit I've got a We've had one or two dear friends that are bloggers on, but I'm going to tell you, Betty, when you just said what you said, so you created a career, because there were magazines, and you wanted to travel, so you figured out how to sell them a story. Yes, because as a freelancer, you did have to, you had to sell yourself all the time. I was not very good at that, but I learned to be good enough <laughs> to get to get the assignments while they before all the magazines went over the cliff like I know. lemmings. But still know. that's that is remarkable and wonderful because I see I, there are rules that never change. And being an entrepreneur, figuring out how to sell yourself, these rules do not change. Our terms for them change, but they don't. Now, so tell us, what's next? You find out your marriage is not working any longer and you're bravely have left and Well, I had been going for a couple of years. I kept going and I kept going into New York two or three days a week while I, while I lived still with Paul in Princeton. And that's, so I was trying to make it so we didn't have to split up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I, if I could just, and I rented from friends in the village, and New York was a tough time in the 80s, believe me. Everybody I knew had either been mugged uh, on yeah, the street or their apartment had, yeah. been, had been robbed. 
So I learned uh, quickly to do city ways and found it, you know, very scary, but also thrilling, thrilling, because there are all these people who weren't like Princeton at all. Yeah. No, yeah. Were, the antithesis, you, basically. Exactly, yeah. and that and that was wonderful. And then I found a. Uh, studio on Ninth Ninth Street and Fifth Avenue, and I knew the Village was for me anyway. Oh God! Because I missed that in the suburbs. You yeah. had to drive miles for everything, but yeah. here you walk out the door and life is right there, vibrating. And you knew everybody. The Korean, um, uh, who was a flower. They were the yeah. selling flowers then. You know? Yeah, I mean. It, and you walk around the it, corner and you have Chinese food. At the other corner and you have Thai food. I'm it's like no other. Yes, in exactly. That, in that way. Exactly. It is but truly a so collection you were, of villages. So you were doing all this, but and we, we touched on the fact that you started writing about food when you were doing your traveling, but then but, you... But the main book was, the main book was about the performer because it involved the history of American right. performance, which is the history of pop culture, in my view. Absolutely. So food was just right next door. I to see. Pop, but by this time, I had gotten a, uh, a job... Um, by doing freelance for the New York Times on the what was the, the women's page and then became the living uh -huh. section. Thank God. So my timing was lucky because I could do that without being an employee. You were really at that change of time. I mean, when you say first it was the women's page and then it became the, the life yes. yeah, stuff. Yes. They changed that. That's huge. very interesting. It was huge. And that's when Craig Claiborne was there yeah, and with the food James Jim James Jim Beard, Beard yeah. everybody and then um oh the the women who then women came in uh oh there's I can't remember their names sorry but they were, they were very good uh to, who the whole thing changed because yeah. food became fashionable yes. way 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 back then it was really Craig Claiborne and James Beard for American yeah. food certainly. absolutely absolutely but Clay Claiborne and uh, Pierre Franey, who wrote the International. Pierre Franey was yes. one of my favorite. He was, his cookbooks, I still use some of his cookbooks. Yeah. And he was the first real chef. I mean, he was yes. a right. real French chef yes. teaching right. in, and who stayed on in America. So you worked know. with them? Uh, well, sure, because I was yeah. writing about them. I mean, so I got to, I yeah. got to meet the people in the food world, which is a great relief after writing about the movies, because no one will meet you, no one will talk. Yes. No. Oh, right. And there is no history. It was all publicity from the beginning, from 1900. You know, there is no truth there. It never will be. Yeah. As now, I, you know, why are we having our problems with reality and truth and faith? Well, that's the nature of the visual medium. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a you, whole giant you're conversation. So yes, it is, and we're watching it every day. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It, it living it. We're living it. But that's so interesting. So, so, at what point did you write your first cookbook? That, that was almost by accident because I had done a lot of cooking by then in Princeton because of Julia Child and who taught us how to cook good. Because when you're, you know, when we're in the kitchen, uh, okay, I can do that with 25 pages of uh, <laughs> bread, but okay. You know? Right. You could prove and that so, you could do that, you know? Craig Claiborne had come to Princeton. It was when he was doing those articles, and I was one of the housewives that he, uh, he picked. So I had already appeared, and I thought, oh, I can, you know, my, and then a friend, um, Moira Hodgson, who was writing uh -huh. for the Times. Uh-huh, I remember. And, okay, yeah. and she, she said, oh, I'm going to uh, present a, um, 
a proposal for a book to New York Times cook, New York Times Publishing Company. Right, That's when, they you did know, their they were in like the yeah. So I proposed one. It was going to be Masters of American Cookery, and it was going to be about Julia and Jim and Craig and you know, yeah. about the four, uh, MFK Fisher. And so they, then I learned overnight about publishing. It's all about copyright. Oh, everybody was appalled but Julia Child, who said, of course, I get it, yes. You're going to do uh, your amalgam of our recipes because I, they won't let me print the recipes themselves. Okay, well, the, I learned to cook from books. Okay, these are the books I learned from, and I, as anybody does, I made my own variants, mm -hmm. as you do each time you make that, right. whatever that recipe is. Yeah. So that was great fun. And then, of course, Times Publishing went out while the book was still... <laughs> this is the. Tr I had 13 books, and I think every one of them was a different publisher because they all went under. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there go the lemmings again. There goes Gutenberg over the cliff. Oh, it's unbelievable. Isn't it unbelievable? <laughs> it's 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 certainly it's a different world with that, Betty. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, ma yeah. But we that embrace is interesting it, you know? how they all went under. I mean, I had Bantam. Well, you know what? I would say that their business model didn't work. Yeah, but there are still certain publishers that are, yeah. you know, still and there. But they're, I think they're seeing the changes. I think they're working. I think they're. That's why bigger media companies. Do you know what I mean? So if they're not, they're losing they a little money up. here. They get. Yeah, they of course they bigger. do. They've of got a film that's streaming on Netflix. I mean, you have to be able to look at that pie, and cut it into different pages, yeah, know, pieces, and everybody win. That yeah. was the. So Betty, back to you. Yeah. Well, wait. So oh, yeah. we're. This is interesting about. Um, well, she was with very Tony friends. Yeah, very. <laughs> well, yeah. the great thing about the food world is that you had an instant family. Yeah. Boy, did I realize that this was a good fit because you instantly had people that you would e could see every day because you eat three times a day. Right. And my worst job was for the Times was to be a restaurant reviewer for, the, for New Jersey, just as they had on the weekend a restaurant reviewer for... Uh, Long Island, Connecticut, Long Island, et cetera, yeah. Westchester, because it mattered so much to the to the chefs, not only to the restaurant and the, the star rating, et cetera, but it mattered to the families who had saved up as they rode in for 12 years in order to celebrate their anniversary oh. at this place I just dumped on. I, anything was a dump that wasn't four stars automatically you know even three stars was not good enough yeah and the day that I got a phone call during a dinner party at Princeton before I'd moved into New York I got a call from a mafia boss <gasps> in Trenton <laughs> about a restaurant that I'd reviewed <laughs> wow. and I thought that's it I'm not doing this fortunately <laughs> Fortunately. I'm, I'm taking the target <laughs> off my back. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. I mean, that is really scary. And that was at the time that the time, because they knew where I lived. Oh, sure. <laughs> Just like the movies. I've seen that movie. It doesn't yeah, exactly. You don't want to be in the movie. In the <laughs> right, real movie. Right. The real movie. So I quit that. And also, yeah. I remain, I do not like... I mean, I'm not into connoisseurship. I hate ranking. I hate Yes, them. exactly That's all of that. not what food is to me. I'm with you. Well, I'm when, with you. when I was the critic for uh, PBS magazine, I made a decision that I was never going to write about a restaurant that I didn't like 
because I met some people that had saved everything and they were destroyed because somebody wrote a bad review. Let somebody else do that. I will write about what I want to share with my audience. And I didn't get a call from the mafia. Well, even <laughs> even at the Times, which prided itself on its well, that's right. On that it. would not have. However, I was told it got to it, I was, the news was leaked to me that I had badmouthed a restaurant that is the place that one of the edit the mucky muck editors up at the top yeah. took his mistress to every Thursday night. <laughs> so they were. We happy are not about surprised, that. darling. See, things we get so messy surprised. so quickly. <laughs> That is a perfect description. But I want, I mean, where I'm going, before we go to the, the book that you've just turned in, is to talk about, I mean, corn. The book on corn is just a treatise on corn. Well, But before corn, were there other cookbooks that you wrote? Uh, yes, I hear America cooking. That's right. Oh, but I, I that always book. writing. I was always writing as a historian's point of view. I mean, cultural history, as a window, as a window on what it is to be an American. It's so interesting. That fascinated me as an American, uh -huh. and watching the way movies absorbed uh, foreigners, you know, uh -huh. immigrants who came. And of course, we we're all immigrants, and they you know, whole bloody continent, including the Amer the Amerindians who were here first, but they came over from the. Bering Streets, so, and you know, the, the, yes, the only people who are, who are really native are the coyotes. The coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the book that you just turned in. Yes, and so the ultimate American is the Western Coyote. You know? Wow. Because <laughs> he's been here since the, uh, you know, the time of the mammoths. I mean, this well, is a big deal. One of the things deal. that um, impresses me, or just I'm sort of knocked out by, is that your mind. You just, you can't stop. And you're so excited about whatever it is. You have that passion for whether it's corn or coyotes or the the Big Ten. What were they called? The the Ten, the... Uh, um, was this during the McCarthy era when yeah. the Ten, the ten. writers what was, were blacklisted? What was the, the, well, the, the Hollywood the, Ten. The Hollywood Ten, Who right. refused to sign. Right, exactly. Yes. But my point is that you yes. have been interested... It is certainly not in one topic. And when you've gotten into whatever it is, you are all in. All in. Well, this is the luck of having been born with a, as they used to say, a highly nervous temperament. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that kind of energy that can't turn off. The downside is you can never go to sleep. Yeah, because your mind is just going, <sighs> yeah, going, going. It's reeling. Yeah. But it's the vibrancy and the excitement about your projects just have to have been I learned I learned in college they would say well Betty is very pause enthusiastic <laughs> yes, yes that's a compliment Betty exuberant I've gotten exuberant yeah, Denise Denise has that when people want me to shut up, they will say later, oh, she was so exuberant. <laughs> exactly. I believe exactly. both husbands have said that to me, Betty. So. <laughs> now, Betty, you have to tell us. I, have, I know the book, we're going to talk more about that, but ha what made you then come back to yeah. the West Coast? <laughs> She's oh, back. easy. That's, that was literally survival. I didn't leave until I was 85. Okay, so you stayed in New York till wow. you were 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I had, the, because I knew I had the energy for it, and I had said to myself, watching people in my neighborhood, 
okay, and, and myself getting slower over the intersections and timing it and taking the subway all the time and crawling up the stairs and knowing I am fair game because I'm the weak person in the herd. I can be knocked off any time. Yeah. You never lose that sense if you've lived in New York a long time and taken subways. <laughs> so I knew that the moment I didn't have enough energy to match the energy of the city, I must leave. So I... And did you know did. about where we How are smart. today? How smart. No, no, but I had friends from my gal pals at Pomona College oh, wow. who had come to live in retirement houses, in uh, mm -hmm. old folks' homes in Santa Barbara. She so I said, can I come out and look around? And they said, sure. So I came, and I knew I wanted Santa Barbara rather than some other place because I had seen California ruined both in the north and both in the oh, south yeah. Yeah. in oh, terms yeah. of car. And I said, I do not want to have to drive a car because yeah. by this time my eyes were going and I really couldn't drive anymore. Uh, as my children had told me much earlier, but then I finally got around to saying, yes, you're right, I can't see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. So, so I came out and I went to each of the, I think there are five or six major old folks homes here yeah. and traditional and had a meal in each one. Well, of that course you did. Key. I didn't have to stay overnight, but I did have to have a meal. And you could tell immediately. Yeah. You could tell the from quality. the dining room. You could tell the tone of the dining room, what, whether it was institutional inmatey, and right. whether it was all landscaping and they're pretty on the outside. But no, where's the feeling? And this was the only place that had history built in, a beautiful historical it's hacienda. Yeah. And good landscaping. And it was also um, by far the most costly. And so one of my college friends said, you don't want to go there, it's so snooty. And I said, uh, well, let me go look. And I found it, what she meant by snooty, she was a little California girl who had never really gone anyplace else. <laughs> and what she meant was they had been they had been to big cities and lived in Europe and that so it was kind of sophisticated thing. as opposed to she meant to, sophisticated yeah snooty is like when you me don't perfectly right <laughs> no in right. terms had a of, sense of where you've been how you've spent your life right yeah right and it wasn't just in Pasadena or San Marino yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a beautiful spot and I had been here before when Julia lived here yeah I came to oh visit wonderful her. yeah so wonderful. I, I knew how gorgeous this was but Julia also would call people here the inmates would you yes. say to me oh I do that oh, all the time it's I, automatic I so the two of them again sisters in crime Julia would say to me oh come today but the inmates are restless and, and then I'd get there and I think everything looks good Julia I don't know what you mean by that but never mind we are celebrating her here at my behest on Valentine's oh, Day because okay. of her time in the casa which was very short, 2001 to 2004, and I, I, didn't, I knew nothing of the Casa, nor did I visit her here. I knew her well in the East. But we were doing this before the great big celebration uh, in March on the right. California. Oh, yes. Now, are you going to go? The, what Betty's talking about, there's a Santa Barbara culinary experience coming up in March if people want to look for it, but it's combined with the Julia Child Foundation that, that I spoke at a couple of years ago when they were starting out here in Santa Barbara and it's run by Julia's son-in-law Todd Shulkin so and several wineries are involved now Betty are you going to go to it are you speaking oh I'm sorry by Ann Willen's son-in-law sorry <laughs> yes sorry 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 <laughs> Todd Shulkin well he's worked for the Julia Foundation it's Ann Willen's son. yes you're absolutely uh, I knew Ann Willen 
and miss her. <laughs> I know. I miss her. I saw her in April last year. I got to go okay, see her. Okay, wonderful. But so, Betty, are you doing something for the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience? N not officially. No, okay. I'm doing, that's why I'm doing the little the little preview here. Mm -hmm. And it's Good. because so very few of us old folks can go to those with ease because yeah. it's like being in New York. Yeah. It's exactly like being in New York and nobody wants to eat and hold a glass of wine. At the same we have to hold yes. on to our walker or our cane. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yes. We yeah. get You're wiped right. out. So what a great idea to do that on Valentine's Day to celebrate her year. I love it yeah. myself. Oh, it's gonna be we're going to have huh? a Julia inspired meal and we're going to watch a documentary and oh, it's a great documentary from the Smithsonian. How <laughs> fabulous, Betty. Now, Betty, I would like to ask you a question that we often ask people. What would you tell your younger self if there was a lesson that you could tell yourself from your viewpoint now? That's a good question because I've always said never look back, never regret, <clears throat> which I hold to, but uh, it's like the definition of tragedy, Aristotle's definition of tragedy, the real tragedy is blindness of heart. Not of mind, but of heart. You don't see because you're blinded by something else. For me, it was being blinded by love of my husband that kept me from seeing the side of him that was not only not lovable, but could not love. If I had seen that earlier, I would have spared him some grief. I would have spared my children some grief, and I would have spared myself a lot of grief. Mm. Got it. I get that. Blindness I so part. get that. That's interesting. Well, before we say goodbye, I just want you to tell us a little bit about this book that you just turned in, because it sounds like it's going to be an amazing... And you said it took 10 years to write. Well, because it kept morphing That's as, as, I, I, want you to as tell I morphed. Us. Got yeah. it. So it started out, I think the first title was Bed Alone, so it was <laughs> what it's like, because it starts at, this is the second memoir, the first one was My Kitchen Wars. Which this, I have read in is an which, incredible which book. Which goes up to 1980. This is from 1980 okay. to... The present, two okay. zero. All right. So this is the very, in that sense, the very last chapter. <laughs> so it morphed from bed alone to what was the next one? Ah, uh, I forget. It was it had two or three more titles mm -hmm. while I was still in New York, and it ended up as the coyote in New York because it was so startling. There was an actual coyote that was seen in Central Park before I left in 2012, 13, and. We kept saying, how did he get there? Did he go over the George Washington Bridge? Did he take the subway? You know? <laughs> did he hitch a ride in the back of a food that, truck? That's pretty know? funny. Yeah. And since then, there have been uh, quite a few more coyote sightings. And in fact, the coyotes are taking over. I mean, there's a huge population. Oh, Los Angeles Because we killed scary. the wolves. That's right. We killed the predators in our wisdom. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so all that sense of man's arrogance you know uh -huh. i'm taking control i'm gonna fix the world yeah i'm gonna yeah. outlaw guns yeah that's gonna fix it i whatever i'm gonna build a wall that's gonna fix it uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay yeah, right. look at the human heart look at the problems we're having with me too look at the problems we have with everything we're well, for just social media how <laughs> people don't connect in the same way it's exactly, really exactly exactly but what's the book so what what can we look forward to with this i I can't even tell you because it's built like a spider web. It is not chronological. Okay. It has got web after web, and it's 
it's deliberately, I want the form to mirror the content, to embody the content. And that's what memory's like. It's about human memory, my memory. I love it. Well, that's something really to look forward to. Goody. <laughs> Betty, thank you for everything. Now, people that want to write to us and ask Betty any questions, you have something to tell us, you go to womanbeyond at icloud.com. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Women Beyond a Certain Age. Get all of our past episodes on our website, womenbeyondacertainage.com. And I'm, I'm just going to make you all jealous right now by telling you that we're now going to a lovely restaurant in Montecito and we're taking Betty for lunch. I can't wait. Because Where are we going? We're going to... <laughs> Trey Luna? Wonderful. Oh, good. <laughs> so that's our story. And we want to thank you again, Betty. And thank you, Miss Cindy. And thank you, Diane. And thank the Casa Dorlinda for letting us sit here in this gorgeous room oh doing God, our podcast. Oh, my God, with the fireplace and a gorgeous... It's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> so thank you. And I know we're going to have come back and see Betty again. But yeah. please send us any questions and comments. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Yes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs>